like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, we're happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Another awesome... Hold on, let me... My speaker is like messing up. It's like cutting in and out. Oh, goodness gracious. Welcome back to a nice, nice night. We got Taylor Swift 22 going on in the background. I'm going to talk about today... The, uh, the disaster that could be potentially a Dallas Cowboy trade of or two or four Roquan Smith, Chicago Bear linebacker. We'll talk about it. Apparently a report. I don't believe the report. I don't even know where the report Pause the music. I don't even know where the report is coming from. Nobody is talking about it. Ian Rappaport, I've been like, I, I've been trying to search for it. I'll probably Google it. I can't find it. Nobody's talking about this report. I can't remember where I heard it from. But... Uh, I heard it from, like, somebody, and, and somebody said, like, oh, yeah, the Cowboys are potentially interested in Roquan Smith. And I'm like, where? I haven't seen that from any of the insiders. Let me, hold on, let me go on. I, I'm not going to use James Slater. James Slater, I, I was about to say, let me try and figure out James Slater. But I'm like, I don't know, she'll probably get that one wrong. Unpause my music. We'll talk about Roquan. We'll talk about potentially uh, some stuff that Lewis Riddick said, as well as wrapping up hard knocks from last night. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, to be honest with you, pause it again. Like a short podcast, 20, 30 minutes. I always say that and then it's an hour, but I always mean 20 to 30 minutes and then it's always an hour. But this one, I plan on it. I, I always plan it on, on it being 20 to 30 minutes, but then it's not. But regardless, 24, like a lot of stuff. Two, three things coming up, 24th podcast. I'll be honest with you. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. This era of Taylor Swift. Not that big of a fan of it. Not that big of a fan of 22. I'm like Taylor. Taylor is obviously a very mainstream artist. But. uh, You could. You could tell that this was like. Literally just rooted in Kesha. Like that song is like. Oh this is a Kesha song. She sounds like Kesha. Literally, she sounds like Kesha. I'm like, 
Mm, not a big fan of that. But I was a big fan of like a lot of other songs. Like what what was the dubstep? What was the dubstep song? Like she had a dubstep EDM song as well because dubstep was popular and she did like I mean again, she's a mainstream artist, so she's going to do like mainstream things, but she had this it was trouble. It was trouble. That was the dubstep song where I was just like, I like it only because it's Taylor Swift, but I'm like, oh gosh. I couldn't believe she did that. Anyways. Didn't like somebody, hold on. I'm trying to think of like somebody, didn't somebody make the beats? Like somebody collaborated with her, like a popular idiom? I don't know. Regardless, let's talk football here. Talk about football. I like slept for the entire day. I'm uberly sore. Tomorrow will be my final day of working out for the week. I'm never do I'm never doing this again. Fun fact. Uh, if you ever, ever, ever just have consecutive days where you train and when you work out like every single day things of that nature and um you just don't take a day off like i do what is it i'll talk i'll, I'll kind of deviate here and talk about like nutrition and stuff some of the stuff i've been doing for like the last two three weeks i would say i've been working out and i even took off i i, I kind of like had a had almost like a week off I did a couple of workouts, but it wasn't the same as like this week and really the first week that I restarted my training regimen, which essentially was just really doing a lot of reps and sets and a lot of different workouts and things of that nature. But like my training essentially is that I'll do like four or five different workouts as well as sometimes I'll try to go to failure, but today I didn't go to failure when it came to me lifting and things of that nature it was like four to five reps or four to five sets on each workout and usually I do like four workouts so but on a day for example like Monday where I'm doing legs I'll do like five to six because I'm a psychopath just like my body started to break down I started to feel really really like bad and this morning it kind of like came to a head where I was just like I can't I can't keep up just how much I'm doing. I'm doing like, I think, a couple hundred reps. And I think for optimal muscle growth, it's like, you're supposed to do a hundred reps and I'm like doing 200. It's too much. I'm sore all the time. My hammies, my hamstrings are sore. It is Wednesday. I worked out my legs Monday. My hamstrings are sore. I worked out my back. I worked out my chest. My chest was hurting yesterday and today. And now it's like I worked out my back, so my back will be hurting tomorrow. It's just like my legs are just still sore. Regardless, my body is like starting to break down. And I like, I had not as intense of a workout, but I still like hit, I, I still did everything, but it wasn't, it was, today was my worst workout. I'm uberly tired. I slept for a ridiculous amount of time today. I essentially slept all day today. Or more specifically, I slept when I could sleep. And here I am, it's like 9 o'clock, an appropriate time. Ironically enough, my sleep schedule has actually improved significantly. I'm getting like way more sleep just because I'm 
just <laughs> I'm just tired all the time. Oh my god, I'm 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 so tired all the time, and I really should have implemented in at least one day of rest. If I had one day of rest off this week, I I would have been fine. But again, psychopath, I was like, I'll 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 just work out every single day. I'm 24, and it literally just came back to bite me in the ass today. That sucks. But I'm excited that I get three days off. Terrible decision. Horrible decision. But transitioning from my poor <laughs> decisions, I wanted to talk today about Hard Knocks. Uh, didn't see anything. Hard Knocks Detroit Lions didn't see anything. And I don't really know. Like, like nobody's talking about Hard Knocks. I don't know what their ratings are. I really don't know how Hard Knocks can continue, like, year in, year out, when nobody in the media is talking about it. I mean, people are watching it, obviously, but nobody's talking about it, which has me believe that not enough people are watching it, to me at least. Um, what happened on Hard Knocks? There was nothing that happened on Hard Knocks, to be honest with you. Besides this interesting clip of Amon Ross St. Brown catching footballs and describing how many passes he catches. So if you don't know, Amon Ross St. Brown is a wide receiver. He's essentially the best wide receiver outside of Jamison Williams for the Lions. And this was like stuff that I'm actually interested in. Like a little bit of an insight into the personality of the players that is not this weird, wacky... It Like, Hard Knocks is a bad reality show. It is. Like, I complain about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but they, they kind of know what they're doing. It's like Hard Knocks doesn't know what they're doing. They don't set up characters properly and... Yes, these are real people, but they're characters on a TV show. They don't set them up properly at all. I can think of like a bajillion documentaries that involve real world people and movies. Like Borat is a perfect example that uses real world people as characters. And it just goes off without a hitch. Granted, Sasha Cohen Baron. Sasha Cohen Baron is just awesome. But what he does, he doesn't try to like craft these narratives. He just is like, I'm interviewing. Just these absolute psychotic people. I just have to let them go off. Andrew Callahan, Channel 5. Or, more specifically, All Gas, No Breaks. Awesome job. Awesome job. He just lets people go off. He lets people just talk. And he just goes along with it. The Last Dance. They just let the players talk. Hard Knocks tries to form these narratives. And they try to, like, they have this narrator. I remember, like, when I was watching the episode last night... The one moment that I was like, wow, like this kind of sucks is when they brought back in the narrator instead of just interviewing all of these players and things of that nature. They tried to make it an episode about Detroit. It was not. Like if, if you don't actually spend time developing some of this stuff and going around and actually, I think what would have been interesting and they completely missed the ball on this. I don't know why they didn't do this. Maybe uh, you don't create an episode on Tuesday. South Park doesn't do this. What I'm referring to here is Hard Knocks. They, they revealed this when they are being interviewed by Detroit staff. They revealed that they record the actual voiceover on Tuesday, the day that the episode is released. 
Could you imagine if South Park did the, like South Park doesn't do that. South Park is like one of the greatest TV shows of all time. They don't do that. But Hard Knocks does, and it's probably why the show kind of sucks. But when they let the players be authentic and talk about certain important things, like specifically with Amon Ross St. Brown and how he kept, how his dad is a bodybuilder, so he's like super strong, and how his dad heard um, that another kid caught 200 passes on like a jugs machine. He's like, okay, we're going to do 202 passes. We're going to be better than him, uh, if not slightly better than him. We're going to do slightly more than him. We're going to catch 202 passes. And so you see Amon Ross St. Brown catching passes. For me, I love this stuff. As a football, I love this stuff. I love learning players' processes for the preseason, for training camp, for OTAs. I want to learn what players are doing. I want to learn so I can make a judgment, right? Like Jamar Chase, his, it, I was about to say his freshman year, but really it was his rookie year, his last year. He talked about how he catches like 10,000 tennis balls within a span of time. Like, I think it was either in training camp or something like that. Like, he caught 100 tennis balls a day or a couple hundred. I forgot how many it was. And I love that stuff. And, I, and when people were like, oh, Jamar Chase doesn't know how to catch passes. I was like, you guys are morons. Like, did you not watch him out of LSU? Even though I was like, Devontae Smith is better than him, I was like, he's still an awesome wide receiver. But to me, I found it great that they were talking about Amon Rice and Brown, and he was easily their most interesting player that they had and best developed storyline that they had as well. He was just super fascinating. And they showed him for like five minutes. They also showed off DeAndre Swift, and they set him up poorly. I'm getting tired of talking about how annoyed I am with Hard Knocks. It's why I just don't even want to buy HBO Max. Like, I saw it again. I talked about it literally as soon as I got off the podcast where I was like, I'm just going to watch this. Uh, somebody premiered it on YouTube, and I was just like, eh, I'll just watch it because I just don't care. I don't care enough. Like, if I missed it, for example, today, I would have been like, eh, I don't care. I don't care enough. I'm not learning anything insightful or interesting about the Detroit Lions. And do you want to know what? I, st I stopped and started, I think, when I was about to say, I felt like it would have been really interesting to interview citizens of Detroit about what Detroit means instead of the players who are not actually from Detroit. It's like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. It's like, guys, you have like six months to prepare. This is what you prepare? Again, it's just like, let the players go off. They let Dan Campbell and all these other guys fucking pop off in the TV show, but they don't, let any And it's like interesting, but it's not really structured. And I said it last week where I was like, it's interesting, but it's not structured. And when they tried, like, I remember there was this Aubrey, uh, who's the defensive coordinator for the Lions? They had him come up and speak. And it was one of the most like cringy things I've ever seen in my entire life. Hold on. Who is it? Aaron Glenn. They had Aaron Glenn come up, and he, like, said a couple of words. I completely forgot the speech. Maybe some people were paying attention. I didn't care. I didn't care about it. I'm like, what does this do for me as the viewer? 
I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. When I was watching The Offer, it was the TV show about how The Godfather was made. It was essentially a biopic. It wasn't an actual documentary. It, was, it had like actors portraying real world characters. It was an awesome TV show. And at the end of the TV show, one of the main guys comes up and says, uh, because they're, they're in a dispute with The Godfather and the marketing for The Godfather, like they have a cat on the poster and they have like murder, murder mafia family as like one of the taglines, Godfather, The Godfather. It was terrible. It was god-awful. And the executive, the president of Paramount at the time, is talking to the executives that own Paramount, right? So these are like the big wigs. These are the guys that really don't know anything about filmmaking. And so the executive, the president of Paramount comes in and he says, nobody cares about our business. Nobody cares about runtime and cutting the movie short because uh, we can get in more run, more, uh, more screenings of the movie per day so that way we can maximize profits. Nobody cares about that stuff. They want to go and they want to see a movie. That's what they care about. I don't care that Aaron Glenn said a speech. I don't care. I care about the players and the coaches and what they are doing to prepare for the regular season. I don't care about the preseason results. Hard Knocks always makes it a point of emphasis to show off the preseason results and then play the sad Hard Knocks music. Oh my God, this preseason team lost in the preseason. Nobody gives a fuck about the preseason. Nobody. So when they said, oh my God, the Detroit Lions lost the preseason, I didn't give a shit. I cared more about the process the players are going through so that way I can see if they are going to win football games. That's what I care about. Did I see their offense? No, I didn't. Did I see their defense? No, I didn't. I didn't see anything on Hard Knocks. If I didn't watch the Detroit Lions versus the Atlanta Falcons preseason game on Saturday or Friday, whenever I saw it, I wouldn't fucking know what was going on. They had Deuce Staley yelling at DeAndre Swift to, like, run inside. And then that was it. Oh, gee whiz. That's, that's great coaching. That's great improvement. That's great adjustment. My issue overall with Hard Knocks is just, it just, it doesn't focus on the important things, and it talks about some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. But I did care about Amon Ross St. Brown and him catching 202 passes. I'm like, thank you for covering players that matter and that are relevant to the team. Cover him next week. He's so important. Cover him again. Cover Jared Goff. Will they cover Jared Goff? I don't know. I, I bitched about it last year. I'll bitch about it again this year. I'm forced to watching it. But I said it last year where I was like, I have a set amount of players like Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. They didn't cover any, any of these players. And these are like some of the most interesting players. And I remember watching, what was it? Last Chance You. And I was like, oh, this is a way better TV show than Hard Knocks. And it's just like the players, like Anthony, I was watching Channel 5 last night. Anthony Fantano, who is the internet's busiest music nerd, was being interviewed by Andrew Callahan and, uh, who, of Channel 5, of course. And he said, 
no matter how interesting a person is, no matter if they're like a rapper, he was talking about rappers and things of that nature because they were at a Chicago music festival. And he was just like, no matter how interesting a person is, they have a boring side to them as well. Like everybody, everybody has a boring side to them. And that includes rappers as well. But I think the inverse can be true as well. I think everybody has an interesting part of themselves and you only have to find it. I think Last Chance You did a great job of finding that interesting side of their football players. I think they did a great job with cheer where they found interesting, interesting players or interesting cheerleaders and athletes in interviewing them and following their lives. Like they, like the dumbest thing to me about hard knocks is that they'll focus on the most important players and then they'll go off to players that don't fucking matter. It's like, nobody does that in the last dance. You it's 10 episodes of Michael Jordan. You don't, Talk about the backup point guard for that matter, for the most part. It's all about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and, uh, and, and, uh, fuck, Phil, Phil Jackson and the politics and the dichotomy that was going on within the Bears and how, not the Bears, the Bulls and how the Bulls, they didn't want Phil Jackson back and they were going to trade away Scottie Pippen and Scottie Pippen was out for half the season and then they went back and they told the story of the Bulls dynasty. It was a great documentary. But it showcased off the important players. I don't give a fuck about a guy that's not going to make the team and is going to be playing on the practice squad. And then you make a big deal out of, oh my God, this player is going to the practice squad. You have run these same narratives for the past five, six years. It's time to stop. Otherwise, I'm just not going to watch the TV show. Let me, unplug, let me plug in my computer first. It's almost out of battery. Hold on. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. It's like, I don't care. I don't care about, I don't care about your narratives. I don't care about what you're trying to push. What, what you try to push is not as, in, as relevant or as important as what is actually going on on the field. I don't care. Figure it out. Again, I did like the storyline with Amon Ross St. Brown. I found it relevant to what was going on in Detroit. I found it relevant to football. Has a bodybuilder dad. They trained. He, uh, he also trained with his other brother, Equinemius St. Brown, as well. It was very, very interesting, I felt like. Also, I just got to ask, Hard Knocks, are you following these players in the preseason? Or, excuse me, in the offseason? Like, when Jared Goff goes and he has training sessions with his players, are you following them when they're at the training session? If you aren't, you should be. You should have B-roll of Jared Goff, of DeAndre Swift, of all of these players, in the preseason, you should be coordinating with the team. Team should be coordinating with you. You should be figuring out where these players are in the offseason, and you should be recording them. Because I fucking guarantee it, especially the starters, it will be relevant to what you are going to be discussing in the preseason. Just that simple. Do they have that foresight? No. Do they have that intellect? No. Do they have the knowledge? No. Work harder. Jesus Christ. You have the footage. I know you do. You don't choose to use it. Anyways. Hard Knocks was kind of a snooze fest last night. It was, it was, 
it was entertaining in the sense of Dan Campbell is just bouncing around and cursing at people and he's juiced up. But beyond that, it was, it was just, I didn't learn anything about the Detroit Lions. And I hate how Hard Knocks is always like, oh my God, the Detroit, like, like the, the tagline, one of the interviewers, one of the interviewers was like, or not one of the interviewers, excuse me, but one of like the producers of the show was like, you know, we know you have your favorite team, but we, we want this team, the Hard Knocks team, to be your second favorite team. And I'm like, that's, that's not how people perceive Hard Knocks. People are not like, oh my God, golly gee whiz, the struggles of this team. Nobody says that. Especially if it's a bitterly hated team like the Cowboys. Nobody was like, golly wally, I can't believe the Cowboys. Oh my gosh, I, I really am rooting for the Cowboys. Nobody was rooting for the Cowboys last year. Nobody. Sad reality is, they didn't interview Trevon Diggs. Except for his son. They like spent like all of the time being like, oh my God, Trevon Diggs. Oh my God, his kid is adorable, which he is. But they didn't interview Trevon Diggs. For like, like at all. They were just like, they attached his son to him. And I'm like, guys, he had 11 interceptions last year. He was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You didn't learn anything besides he had a kid. That's it. It's like, how does he prepare? How does he, how does he know how to make plays on the ball? How does he play corner? How does Micah play linebacker? How does Dak play quarterback? None of this is discussed in the series. And I'm super interested in it. Super interested in it. They have all access, and they don't use any of it. It is so frustrating to watch this TV show. Give it another week, maybe two weeks. I'm not going to watch the fifth episode. I can't stand the fifth episode. It's, it's the worst episode. It's roster cuts where it's essentially 30 minutes to 40 minutes. They don't even fill an hour block because they're just such a terrible, terrible TV show. But... It's 30, 40 minutes, the fifth and final episode of Hard Knocks. 30, 40 minutes of them essentially being like, oh my God, this player got cut. Oh my God. And it's just like, nobody cares. Nobody expected this guy to make the team. Nobody expected the players that you, that you wanted to make it to the team, make the team. Nobody cares. Why the fuck are we talking about these guys? Why are we not fucking talking about guys that actually matter? Anyways, that's all I got for Hard Knocks. Terrible. That was 27 minutes? Oh, God. I felt like that was the 10. Like, sometimes I can just go on. On and on and on. Sorry about that. Let me just try and find this, like, Dallas Cowboys Roquan Smith thing. Hold on. Uh, give me like two seconds. Okay, so it's just people speculating. It's not actually going to happen. Okay, because I was like, I was about to go on. It was essentially the, the hubbub about Roquan Smith is that he could potentially be a Dallas Cowboy. And I'm like... 
I, I never heard it from anyone officially that the Cowboys were actually interested in. It was just people were, were like speculating on, oh, this is where Roquan Smith could go. I'm like, oh, so it's, so the team actually doesn't have any interest in them. Got it. Okay, cool. Roquan Smith, the linebacker for the Chicago Bears, is up for a trade. Some people had him linked to the Cowboys. I do not. I think that it would have been a stupid trade if they do. Let me, let me dot my I's, cover my T's, or cross my T's. Let me cover all my bases here. I think it would be stupid if the Dallas Cowboys traded for Roquan Smith. Right? Let's just play devil's advocate. I think it would be stupid if they traded for him. Uh, one, they're going to be like over the cap next year. They're going to, they're just not going to have any money. I already know that for a fact that they're going to be in the red next year. They have $21 million in available cap space this year. That's just going to fade away. They're going to be negative $5 million next year. They're just going to be like gone all their money. But, um, but then it's like on top of like just them being in the red cap space wise, like he is a off ball linebacker who doesn't really rush the passer that very well from some of the reps that I've seen of him. And more specifically, isn't a great coverage corner or a great coverage linebacker, excuse me, as well. And so Roquan Smith being a Dallas Cowboy when Dallas already has Micah Parsons, which again, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, you already have literally the best linebacker in the NFL. Why would you need the second best? Or not the second best, but like the seventh, especially when you get into the weeds of things and you're like, well, they could have had Bobby Wagner as well. And they didn't get Bobby Wagner. Could have had Bobby Wagner for like $9 million. Bobby Wagner is getting to me like underpaid. He's making a ridiculously low amount of money here. Let me try and find him. I can't. I'm like, I'm kind of bad at this. Hold on. Here it is. He's making $2.5 million this year. Next year, he's going to be making 12 million, 12 million, 11 million. And then in 2026, he's going to be making 12 million. I would have been, I, I would have been fine paying him that amount, to be honest with you. I don't know why the Cowboys didn't go out and get him. I would have been fine paying him that amount of money. Especially this year, I would like you would have saved money. You're paying him 2.5 million. Come on, guys, what are we doing? But you could have paid Bobby Wagner 2.5 million dollars this year. Bada bing, bada boom. You get one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Cowboys didn't do that. So trading away multiple picks for yet another linebacker when you could have had Bobby this year to me just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I'm glad that we cleared up the whole Roquan Smith situation. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. The Cowboys would be idiots for doing it. And uh, it looks like it's not going to happen for the Cowboys. But the reason why the Cowboys or people are speculating so hard on the Cowboys getting Roquan Smith is because the Cowboys are an uberly popular football team. Nobody's buying it, though. I'm not buying it. I remember somebody had them listed as a top five team to acquire Roquan. I'm like, what? Then people are like, oh, no, it's not like it's not actually happening. It's like, like it's not that the Cowboys are actually going to do it. We're just speculating. Like, well, can you clarify that? Because people are taking it as a report. Please and thank you.
But uh, yes. Roquan Smith, I don't think will be a cowboy. Thank God. But it kind of begs the question. It's like, who actually does need or want Roquan Smith? Who's actually going to make a trade for Roquan Smith? He's demanded a trade. He says he will not be a Chicago Bear. He will not sign a contract extension. That is a good question. I don't know. Like, like instead of people talking about the Cowboys being the team that, oh, my God, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, Cowboys. Like, actually figure it out. I like being right. I like being right. That's just me. Let me look up NFL teams. Hold on. I'm like, who needs an off-ball linebacker that's good at stopping the run and also and also yeah, that's it. He's like good at t- he does he got he does get tackles for a loss. Hold on. He does get a lot. He got like 12, which is a lot. Maybe the Patriots. So we'll do it division by division. Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots. Jets have C.J. Mosley. Dolphins have Jerome Baker. Bills have Tremaine Edwins, who's like a worse linebacker than Roquan Smith. But again, it's like you're not gonna you're not going to double up on a position that's not as important as uh, as like literally dozens of other positions on the field. You're just not gonna do it. Like the Patriots are the only team that kind of needs a linebacker. They may trade for him. I doubt it because they've spent so, so much money last year. I doubt they're going to go out and get him, but that's a potential uh, landing spot, excuse me, for Roquan Smith. Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, maybe the Broncos. Maybe you get another linebacker, but the Chiefs have Nick Bolton. The Raiders have somebody, and the, and the Chargers have Kenneth Murray. Ravens. AFC North, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers, they all have linebackers. Devin Bush for the Steelers, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa for the Browns, the Bengals have Logan Wilson, and the Ravens have Patrick Queen, and they're all on rookie contracts, and they're all good enough uh, linebackers. You don't need a great run-stuffing linebacker. The only way that you would go out and, like, be thirsty to try and trade for, uh, for Roquan Smith is if Roquan Smith was like Micah Parsons. He could rush the passer and he could drop back in coverage. Or Darius Leonard, where he could create turnovers. That's like the only guy. The Texans, excuse me, AFC South, Texans, Colts, Jags, Titans. This is a division where they may go out and trade for him. Texans, I mean, they're just terrible. Colts, they have Darius Leonard. There's no way in hell they're trading for him. Like they already have a better linebacker. Why would they get another one? And then Jags, I don't know, the the Jags have Devin Lloyd, and I think the Titans also have another linebacker. So it's like maybe the Patriots in the AFC, maybe the Broncos, but they don't have any draft capital because they just traded for Russell Wilson. And so, like, nobody in the AFC outside of the Broncos and the Patriots for the most part. NFC East, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Commanders, all those teams have linebackers. Cowboys have Micah Parsons. And Jabril Cox, and they also have uh, the uh, the guy that that they drafted out of LSU this year. They drafted two LSU linebackers, both of which came into uh, the Cowboys hurt. Who was the uh, LSU? Who was the other guy? I've got his name, Damone Clark. They got Damone Clark. He has a spinal injury. He's going to be back. 
Next year, Jerry and Steven are like, maybe he'll be back next year. Or this year, excuse me. He'll be back this year. No, just like, fucking, just, you invested in him, in him for next year. Just say that. Cowboys have a shit ton of linebackers, young linebackers that they like. Giants have Nick Martinez. Eagles just got N'Kobe Dean. Commanders have Jamin Davis, who they may or may not like. We will, we'll see. We'll see. NFC West, Cardinals, they have linebackers. Rams, uh, Cardinals have linebackers in the sense of they have Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Rams have Bobby Wagner. 49ers have Fred Warner. Seattle, they're like the only other team that needs a linebacker, but I doubt you're going to trade for another linebacker. After releasing Bobby Wagner, that would be kind of stupid, especially when you could have had Bobby for stupidly cheap. NFC North, Bears are trying to probably trade him, potentially. We'll see. Lions need a linebacker for sure. They don't really have one. Packers really don't. Vikings, maybe. We will see. Do they have, still have Eric Kendricks? I'm not sure. And then the NFC South, Falcons, they played like shit on Saturday, but they, I don't think they need a linebacker. They have Deion Jones or whoever is their linebacker. Panthers, I like Brian. Um, I like whoever their linebacker is. I forgot who, who their linebacker is. Saints have Demario Davis. Bucks have two linebackers, Levante David and Devin White. Nobody will, nobody's trading for a linebacker. Nobody's trading for a linebacker. I think Roquan Smith is probably shit out of luck because he's not really that great at the most important things, and he's... Not real, like, like if I like, he hasn't had a Pro Bowl in his entire career. I get it. The Pro Bowl is not a great measurement. It's not like a great way to determine players and things of that nature. But I also think there is validity to the fact that he's never been a Pro Bowler, and really, there's like three or four guys in the conference that are just significantly better than him on the teams that people are trying to link him to. Like the Cowboys, for example. I'm like, why, why would the Cowboys go out and get him when they have Micah? Just a thought. So that's kind of the whole rundown with Roquan Smith. Another interesting aspect that happened today was Duran James just got paid a lot of money. He's now the highest paid safety in the NFL. Look, I like Derwin James a lot. I like him a lot. I think he's a good player. I'm not a fan of paying safeties. I'm not a fan of paying specifically safeties that aren't ball hawks. And Derwin is pretty much a strong safety. He does a lot for the team. He can do a lot. It's just, I don't know. I mean, it depends, right? Like, I feel like Jamal, Jamal Adams, for example, would have been a better trade if the Seattle Seahawks had played him in his natural position, which is strong safety. They played him as a two-deep safety, as a free safety, because they were like, we don't have any corners and we can't cover. But Jamal Adams is such an interesting safety because, not Jamal Williams, hold on. I feel so bad for Jamal Adams, especially because he was just like, I want to go to a team that's going to win winning playoff games. And now he's on a team that is in a rebuild literally in two years. But Jamal Adams is such an interesting player because Jamal, I mean, he gets, he has more career sacks than Roquan Smith as a safety. 
He set the league record for single-season sacks for a defensive back at nine and a half. First guy to do it. He's like, going to get you 80 tackles a year. Occasionally some interceptions, but it's the sacks that I'm super interested about. And he's awesome at stopping the run. Really, you play him as a buy. I mean, he's, he's Cam Chancellor. He's Cam Chancellor, except he's not as good as Cam in coverage. It, like, it's just that simple. But Jamal, Seattle really screwed him last year by not playing him anywhere near the line of scrimmage. And that, I think, affected his play more so than anything. They put him in a spot, in a position that he is naturally weak at, which is coverage. They put him in coverage, and there were plays that were made against him instead of having him rush the passer, and he was also hurt last year. How many games was he hurt last year? He played in 12 games. He played in the exact same amount of games, except he had no sacks. Oh, and he's not healthy. He has not finished a full season since 2018. Uh, I'm not a, like I'm not a big fan of paying uh, of of Dur- I'm not a big fan, excuse me, of paying Duran James, especially when he has missed significant amount of time. Like I'm, I I just Googled his stats, and Google is like, we have three years of Duran James. He came into the league in 2018. It's like what? It's like yeah, we we have three, full, not even full years. We have three years recorded. Of statistics. He came into the league in 2018. It is 2020. He mi- he's missing a full year. Because he was hurt. And he's been hurt throughout the course of his career. He had, for the first time since 2018, he had a full season where he was playing. But 2019, he was hurt. 2020, he was hurt again. When he's healthy, he gets you like 100 tackles. Which is awesome. That's awesome. Doesn't really get you any sacks. Doesn't really get you any, any, uh, any interceptions. I mean, he got you two. But I worry about Duran. I worry about the payment of the Chargers. I was looking. I was trying to find his contract on over the cap. Uh, people are reporting that it's officially official. I I don't see it on overthecap.com. Overthecap.com is a is a site that tracks the NFL's. Uh, salary cap and payment, excuse me. So I don't have his actual new contract. Like, it's not embedded in overthecap.com. I'm assuming it'll probably be done tomorrow. But let me, let me just go back. But next year will be Justin Herbert's, or technically this year will be his third year. Next year, you want to you extend him. Chargers are in the red next year. $11 million, by the way. Do they have Duran James on the books? No, they don't. So they have to already... So they're $11 million in the red next year without even paying Duran James. And now, potentially, you're going to have to pay Justin Herbert. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't like going after Duran James. Maybe. I, I get it. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. But um, I don't know. Stuck in a rock. It's like a rock. Uh, you're, uh, it's not like being 
a rock stuck in a hard place. It's you are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Payment of Duran James worries me, especially when it's like you look at some of their fucking players, man. Like Bosa is getting thirty-one million dollars. Like Khalil Mack is getting twenty-seven million dollars. Keenan Allen is getting twenty-one. Mike Williams is getting nineteen. And it's like Justin Herbert is going to get forty plus million dollars, potentially forty-five plus million dollars annually. Damn. Chargers are going to have to fucking offload a shit ton of money, bro. Just to keep a lot of their players. We'll see. By the by, saw Khalil Mack uh, against Tyron Smith. He destroyed Tyron on a couple of plays here and there. Dallas Cowboys joint practice. Shout out to the Cowboys media team for uh, for posting uh, the the practice. And, oh, wait, no, you didn't. You did not. Did the Chargers, at the very least, did the Chargers post their practice? Chargers, did you, did you post your practice? Hold on. I mean, they post everything. They, like, have a in-season documentary that's, like, on, that's better than Hard Knocks, if you want my honest opinion about it. Just, like, did you? Somebody just, like, by the way, somebody was at practice and they just posted their practice. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to record it from this sideline angle and we're just going to post it and nobody's going to stop us. Like, guys, like, everybody's posting your practice. Like, come on. Let's get it on. I feel like it should be obligated. Like, if nobody wants to post their practice because they're worried other teams should be able or other teams, excuse me, are going to, like, watch in, I feel like everybody should post their practices. You know? Like, it should be an NFL rule. Like, everybody's going to do it. So that way there is no competitive advantage. That way everybody's operating at a disadvantage. And then it's just like, just work, work around that. But I did see Khalil Mack destroy Tyron Smith again this offseason. It was awesome. It was glorious. Because I, I thought Khalil Mack had a little bit of juice left in. What a surprise. I was right. What a surprise. What a surprise. They gave up. Their best pass rusher, or one of their best pass rushers, being the Chicago Bears, for peanuts and cupcakes. Go Chicago. Go, 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 go. Final thing I got is this Lewis Riddick clip where he's talking to Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen's audio is always low, so I apologize for how low it's going to be. But Lewis Reddick is talking to Rich Eisen, and he's talking about Seattle. And I remember, like, I was listening, I was going to listen to the Roquan Smith clip because he was just like, the Bears should pay, should play, or pay, excuse me, Roquan Smith. And I was like, that's stupid. But the clip that really, like, got me was the part where he was saying, what did he say? He said, like, like, I don't understand why everybody is down on the Seattle Seahawks offense. You know, they say, like, I like as if Pete Carroll is just, like, terrible or whatever. And I'm like, bro, did you not watch them last year? Did you not watch what they did this offseason? Like, they got a tackle. Finally. Thank God. They finally got a tackle. One. One tackle. Instead of, like, two. But they finally got a tackle. And they got another running back. What the fuck do you think they're about to do? 
They're about to run the shit out of the ball with Kenneth Walker. It's like, did you not see their preseason game? Everybody was like, Drew Locke is going to be the starter for the Chicago, not the Chicago, the Seattle Seahawks. Drew Locke was on the second team for the Seattle Seahawks last weekend. And you think that Seattle is fine, that they're okay? Okay. All right. All right. Just got to give it a little bit of time. Got less than a month. When is the first NFL game? Is it September 9th? Hold on. Not September 9th. September 8th, right? Something like that? It's on Thursday. It's on the Thursday. I, I don't know if it's on 9-11 or if it's on the season opener. Yeah, it's on the season opener... The Thursday night game is on September 8th. So it's like we literally have like three, four weeks left until the regular season. Bills versus Rams opening up, opening day. And then we got college football the week before that. And we got college football the weekend of that. And we got all NFL action all day long. Okay. Okay. But first, I wanted to play this clip of... God, man, of Lewis Riddick, it's, it's terrible. And I kind of just wanted to provide insight and analysis of, of, uh, of just why what he's saying is so bad. And I remember watching, what was it? The Broncos with like Steve Levy, Steve Levy. Isn't he like, like Steve Levy. I I just want to make sure that I, that I have the, the correct name. Steve Levy was the former Monday night football. Yeah. Is this, is this this guy? Yeah, Steve Levy. He's almost 60 years old. You put somebody who's almost 60 years old into the NFL, into Monday Night Football? What? Come on, guys. What the fuck are we doing? ESPN? They put Steve Levy into the Monday Night booth. He was terrible. Lewis Riddick was terrible. Whoever else, they had three guys in the booth. They were all terrible. They had McFarlane. I don't even want to, they had, I don't even know what his name is. They had McFarlane doing halftime games. Like, McFarlane is just bad. He's bad. He's old. Get everybody who's old out of the fucking booth. God. Steve Levy was boring. I wanted to blow my brains out after watching a couple of games. And then I like listened to the to the to the Monday Night Football, not the Monday Night, excuse me, the Broncos Cowboys game, and I'm like, why the fuck do I want to blow my brains out by watching by listening to this football game? I'm like, oh, Steve Levy is casting the game. Anyways, Lewis Riddick, God man, Lewis Riddick, talking about Pete Carroll and Roquan Smith. I'll pause at the appropriate times to give my commentary and to talk about why he's wrong and things of that nature. What is the headline, do you think, entering this preseason week right now? Uh, now that we know that there's no fourth preseason game anymore, this is where rubber meets road. What do you think the major headline is for you that you're looking to, to have identified entering week two of this preseason, Lewis? Yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll keep it really specific to our game you know because sure. honestly i think it's it's about 
it's about quarterback play in, in, in different scenarios, right? And I think that's obviously the situation for every team. What, what's the scenario? What's the situation every team finds themselves in heading into the season? And for Seattle, I mean, Drew Locke not playing in this game throws this quarterback competition, I think, squarely right into the lap of uh, Geno Smith to go ahead and take the bull by the horns and cement his position as the week one starter, as we see it right now for Seattle. And he's going to play – He's going to play tonight or tomorrow night in a, in a in a game where he's going to have more of his weapons available to him on the outside, although maybe for a limited amount of time. But this football team overall, I think offensively, is being slept on a little bit, Rich. Mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of assumes that this team is still just devoid of talent on the offensive line and that they're just a three yards in the cloud of dust type of team and you know, Pete's trying to take them back to the Stone Ages, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing could be further from the truth. This team has one of the fastest teams in the NFL. They got speed galore. God, oh my God, I hate these people. I hate these people so much. I hate them. I hate these people. Okay? Okay. Let me help them out. Louis Riddick. Being fast, first and foremost. Okay, okay. Like, let me... Let me break it down to you, okay? Being fast has nothing to do with being modern. Being fast is a buzzword that people use when they don't know what to say and how to be descriptive, okay? Being fast my ass. It's like they have the exact same roster from last year outside of Russell Wilson. What the fuck do you mean that they're going to somehow that that they aren't in the stone ages? Did you see what they did for before the last two years before Russell Wilson was like, hey, uh, we fucking like we need better offense. We need uh, a more modern passing attack. Why do you think he said that? Why do you think he was so adamant about it? Why do you think he was so adamant about it to the point where he was like, get me the fuck out of Seattle? For the last two years, by the way, because it wasn't last year. He was. It wasn't just this year. He was rumored and linked to the Bears last year. Why do you think that was the case? Lewis Riddick? Certainly wasn't because they were. Uh, they were. They were a, a contender. They didn't make it to the playoffs last year with Russ. Certainly because it wasn't because they had an awesome running game. They did not. Certainly because they. They did not. It certainly wasn't because they had an awesome offensive line. Russell Wilson is like one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL for the last 10 years. Like, what are you talking about? They're not in the Stone Ages. Of course they are. And better yet, they're in a rebuild. They're going to run the football. I don't know why they paid DK Metcalf. I don't know why they didn't try to get rid of Tyler Lockett. They did some modern things in the sense of, holy shit, they finally drafted a tackle in Charles Cross. But uh, it's literally right after they traded away their top-tier quarterback in Russell Wilson. Oh, and by the way, the reason why Seattle didn't have a first-round draft pick until they traded away uh, Russell Wilson is because they traded for Jamal Adams. A safety. Who they then played in an off position. It's funny how, I, I love how stuff that I talk about in the podcast relates to, early on, stuff that I talk about in the podcast relates to things that 
we are talking about presently. Like we were talking about, for example, how Jamal Adams was played in an off position and that's why he played so terribly, right? Because they didn't have a corner. They don't have a corner. They don't have corners. So they were like, we have to play two deep safety coverage. Jamal Adams gets played in a worse position. Jamal Adams stinks. Everybody thinks that he's a terrible safety, but in reality, he's probably the best because he can sack the quarterback and he can stop the run by himself, essentially. But now it's like that player, they played in an off position. They paid a shit ton of money. And they gave up multiple first round draft picks for him. Great job, Seattle. Great job. Great job, Lewis Riddick. Oh, they're not in the Stone Ages? Okay. All right. They're still just devoid of talent on the offensive line and that they're just... Again, I apologize for the very low levels. Whenever I listen to a Rich Eisen clip, the levels are just all the way down. I don't know why. They're all the way down. I can't hear a single thing. I have to like bump it. I have to like crank. I have to blow out my fucking speakers. I'm like, my guy, turn it up. Turn we can't hear what's going on. Yards in the cloud of dust type of team. And you know, Pete's trying this to- This is like as loud as I can get it. Back to the without like blowing out my, my levels in OBS. When ages, et cetera, et cetera, nothing could be further from the truth. This team has one of the fastest teams in the NFL. They got speed galore on the perimeter. Like, how does, we know that. They had speed for the last four years, okay? Like, Tyler, like, D DK Metcalf runs a 4-3. He runs a 4-3. I think Tyler Lockett runs, he looks like he runs a 4-3 as well. We know that. And yet they didn't run modern concepts. I was bitching about how DK Metcalf doesn't run fucking basic, basic routes to get him the ball quick and easy in his fucking hands, Right? They don't run slants, quick slants, speed outs. They don't run any type of routes that give him the ball in his fucking hands quick enough. And you will always, like, DK was throwing shit around on the sideline during playoff games, during games that they had to had to win to qualify for the playoffs, throwing shit around because of how pissed off he was because they weren't giving him the football. And I completely agreed with DK Metcalf. Pete Carroll was like, calm down, DK. I'm like, no, amp him up! Best player, one of your best players on offense, he's not getting the football. Doesn't make any sense. But they are going to hand it off to a running back who I don't even know. And they have got an offensive line with two young offensive tackles right now mm -hmm. that look the part. Like, they can play right now, right out of the box as soon as you take them out of the racket. So, I think What? What? Are, are they, is he referring to Charles Cross and whoever else? I don't know who the right tackle is. I hope Charles Cross is their left tackle. It's like, are you... Are you saying that Charles Cross, who was a top 10 pick, can play right now? Golly gee whiz, I wonder why ESPN gave up so much money to go out and get Troy Aikman and, uh, and Joe Buck. And by the way, it's like I, I looked up the Monday Night Football game, or excuse me, the, uh, the NFL preseason game, and I was like, why can't I find the preseason game uh, for Monday, uh, for Thursday Night Football? tomorrow and it was just like well uh it's because that game is the not the monday night excuse me the thursday night football game is actually going to be on espn tomorrow so i don't get it or technically i do get it but i don't get it on the nfl network so that's why it's like whoa golly wally i wonder why lewis riddick they uh they they fucking gave up so much money to finally address the monday night issue the monday night football issue i wonder why Man, he Charles Cross really can play today. He really can.
He can play. He can start week one. Top 10 pick. Oh, he can start week one. What I'm looking for in this in this game with that, now on the flip side, you have, with Chicago, you have a quarterback who is not going to be, you know, facing any competition for his starting quarterback job in Justin Fields. But man. What, what, is, what is he talking about? What, what? He like went from the offensive line from for Seattle can start, and then he was like, "Well, Justin Fields doesn't have any competition," and it's just like, "What?" The part. I mean, sometimes I'm just exuberantly tired and exhausted. Even I'm more coherent than Lewis Riddick right now. But okay, sure, whatever. Play right now, right out of the box. As soon as you take him out of the racket. So I think that's what I'm looking for in this in this game with that. Now on the flip side, you you're have- look. Hold, on, I, I, I can't understand him. Does he mean that they are Charles Cross and whoever the right tackle is for Seattle is ready to start right now, or that he is looking for them to start right now? I, I don't understand. Back to the Stone Ages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, nothing could be further from the truth. This team has one of the fastest teams in the NFL. They got speed galore on the perimeter, and they have got an offensive line with two young offensive tackles right now mm-hmm. that look the part like they can play right now right out of the box as soon as you take them out of the wrapping so i think that's what i'm looking for in this in this game with that now on the flip side you have doesn't make sense chicago you have a quarterback who is not going to be you know facing any competition for his starting quarterback job in justin field but man i mean this football team i don't know man i i don't i just i think people need to temper their expectations if their expectations were getting a little hmm. out of whack, particularly in the city of Chicago. First thing that he said all uh, all day, that was smart. For you know, what exactly is this team going to be able to do this year? Because their offensive line's in a state of flux, and I'm not as optimistic as I am about Seattle. They don't have nearly the kind of speed on the perimeter to help this young man out, like many of the other young quarterbacks are going to okay, have. Okay, 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 stop. Let's talk about speed on the perimeter, okay? I don't think you need speed on the perimeter. I think you need consistency. And I don't even think you need consistency on the perimeter. I think you need consistent targets that are going to get open for you. Okay? Enough with these buzzwords, with these broad general sayings. Let's get specific. I think he needs weapons that are going to be able to consistently generate separation quickly because his offensive line is very terrible and consistency. Consistently, excuse me, not consistency. Consistently generate separation quickly. Because I wouldn't even think about throwing the deep ball. Like all the Chicago Bears fans are like, Justin Fields is one of the best Chicago Bears deep ball throwers and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, you need consistency quickly. Because he, I saw the preseason game against, who did they play? Who did they play last, last week? I forgot who they played. Oh, it was the Chiefs. It's like he couldn't get off any passes against the first team Chiefs. Against the first team Chiefs, I don't know. If, I don't remember if he played against the second teamers. He was just always under pressure and under duress, especially from the inside, because whoever was being played at right guard could not match up against Chris Jones at all. He's getting inside pressure. He was getting perimeter pressure. He was getting outside pressure. They didn't really throw a whole lot of exotic things at him. It was just boom. We're just gonna rush our four. So I can only imagine what happens when he actually gets blitzed. He needs guys that are going to be able to get open quickly and consistently. Okay? Whether that's Cole Commit, tight end. Whether that's Darnell Mooney, who everybody has pegged as a deep threat, which I'm like, he should be an 
a short to intermediate threat. He doesn't have that. They need to start start using screen games, which I don't think they did. It's the only thing that he's said smart all day, that he's worried about the Bears, because everybody in Chicago is like, oh my God, the Bears are going to win nine games. Bears are going to win like five or six. Disposal to take their game to another level. And then on the defensive side of the ball, their very best player right now. He is not happy. Want to play for him. What do you exactly. think that's What do you think that's all about, Lewis? What's going on with Roquan Smith and that wild NFL management council letter to say, "Hey, whoever's going around to teams saying if <laughs> Roquan's available in a trade isn't an agent and he's not been given permission to seek a trade." That's wild stuff right now. Yeah, on it that. is, and that that's what happens when you're representing yourself. And you can't. Ah! Ah! What a lazy take. Holy shit, what a fucking lazy take. What a lazy, lazy take. I'm so tired of media members talking about Roquan Smith representing himself. People have been bitching about Roquan Smith uh, representing himself for the last, like, month and a half when they were bitching about his agent four years ago and how he was the last player from his draft class that uh, that got signed because he had a shitty agent. Don't talk to me about a guy who, who, who has shitty representation, not wanting to have potentially shitty representation again. They've been bitching and moaning about Roquan Smith representation for the last month. I'm tired of it. Figure out a new angle to come from because it's tired, it's old, it's anemic, okay? Chicago should have paid him or they should have traded him like that. There is no in-between. There is no negotiation. There is no, well, uh, we want him, but we also did, we, did, we didn't do right by him. We didn't give him the proper incentives in his contract to the point where he has to put out a statement uh, to the public, to the media, to everybody to get his point across. I'm tired of people saying, like, this is, you can find this narrative that Lewis Riddick is spewing. I don't know how much money he's getting paid to be on Rich's show. I hope he's getting paid no money. I feel like he should be paying Rich to be on his show. Because I can find this take up and down the alleyways, the, the, uh, the streets of Chicago. Oh, it's, his, it's that he's not being managed properly. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's the shitty organization. Maybe it is that he's not being, maybe, I don't know what his, I don't know what exactly the numbers are. I can probably guess, it's probably like 20 million. Well, probably wants 20 million. I'm not paying 20 million. But my problem is, Chicago, you knew this problem was, existed for like the last six months. You knew this since almost, not six months, but four months. You've known this since April. He's been, he said this since April. He's like, yeah, I've had issues since April. You should have traded him in April before the draft. Get a first-round draft pick back, potentially, or a second-rounder, or a third-rounder, or multiple late-round picks, parlay those into a second-rounder. It's like nobody has a brain. Nobody can think for themselves. Everybody has to parrot the exact same information. But let's hear Lewis Riddick give me the, he, he shouldn't represent himself narrative that i can get from anyone anywhere in chicago what a rookie and to seek a trade that's wild stuff right now yeah on that. It is. And that that's what happens when you're representing yourself 
and you can't obviously, you know, have those quote unquote back channel conversations, aka tampering conversations that maybe some agents have. What? What? What the fuck are you talking about? What the? What the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any fucking sense, okay? Like, this is this is one of the dumbest takes I've heard in my entire life, okay? And I, I said this about his agent, about him having an agent, right? I was like, it doesn't make any difference. If he was offered a deal that he thought was not suitable for himself and he just rejected it, it wouldn't have made a difference if he had an agent or didn't because he would still reject it if it was a bad offer. And now he's just like, well, you can't, like, with an agent, you can potentially tamper. And he, he wouldn't have requested a trade if he, uh, if he had an agent. That doesn't make any fucking sense. If they came to the exact same impasse that they are at right now, this is like critical thinking. This is like basic level critical thinking. If they were at the exact same impasse that they are at now, with or without an agent, he would still demand a trade. It is that simple. If they were this disingenuous with an agent, as they are currently with him, reportedly according to him, and Ryan Poles hasn't confirmed or denied the disingenuousy, but it doesn't matter. They still wouldn't, or excuse me, Roquan Smith would still demand a trade. It's like, what the fuck am I listening to? This is like the worst take ever. Worst take. Channel conversation. Let me rewind. Hold on. I apologize. Let me rewind what happens when you're representing yourself and you can't obviously you know have those quote-unquote back channel conversations aka tampering conversations that maybe some agents have with players who are under contract for but who are unhappy about their current situation then the, the, it like the more he describes it the more unintelligible he is i don't understand what the fuck he's saying are you saying that he would have been able to have, if he had an agent, his agent would have talked to other players that would have also wanted to be out, or excuse me, to be traded from their respective teams? Dummy. He could just get on the phone right now and do the exact same. That, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't relate to what is actually going on with him. I'll rewind it again. I'm like, I don't understand what the fuck he's saying channel conversations, a.k.a. tampering conversations that maybe some agents have with players who are under contract for, but who are unhappy about their current situation. Then Don't understand. Maybe, I guess there's a guy who's trying to do that on Brooklyn's behalf. And I think what it Apparently there is, like, it's, it's this weird rumor of, like, this guy that's, like, making phone calls to the NFL and, and he, he wasn't representing Roquan Smith or he was. So, I, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird what was going on there. I don't really care about it leads to is the fact that he feels as though this team isn't showing him any respect you know by all reports hold on let me rewind it i couldn't hear it with players who are under contract for but who are unhappy about their current situation then you know maybe i guess there's a guy who's trying to do that on Brooklyn's behalf and i think what it all leads to is the fact that he feels as though this team isn't showing him any respect you know by all reports they offered him a contract that was severely backloaded didn't give him the kind of guaranteed money and security up front in the first you know initial years of the contract probably the first this is the thing that i will agree with him on guaranteed money and security up front in the first you know initial years of the contract probably the first 2 3 years of the contract that he thought he deserved 
And by all accounts, when you watch his tape, talk to people who played against him, talk to people who played with him, talk to people who coached him, he's one of the top two off-ball linebackers in the entire NFL and is still a young centerpiece for any football. Doesn't matter about off-ball linebackers, off-ball linebackers. Are mean. Well, I mean, top two off-ball linebackers. Fuck that. No, he's not. It's like Darius Leonard, Fred Warner, Micah Parsons, Bobby Wagner, Demario Davis. They're all better. Devin White. They're all better than him. Not top two. Shut the fuck up. Two off-ball linebackers in the entire NFL and is still a young centerpiece for any football team. So why wouldn't this be an easy contract negotiation for them in their rebuild, meaning we have a centerpiece right here, we take care of him, and then we continue to build out and help out the offense, help out our young quarterback, get some more pass rushers like we're going to need because Robert Quinn's not going to be around much longer. Why wouldn't this be an easy contract negotiation? I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped by this one, to be honest with you, and I'm I'm sure we're going to get into it on air Thursday night because hmm. uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. People love, I mean, Rich, you know, people love Roquan Smith as a person and as a player. And he's going to make $9 million this year on his fifth-year option, hmm. where other stack linebackers like Shaq Leonard and, and, and people of that caliber are making twice that much. I wouldn't be able to stomach it either. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that sitting well with me either. I wouldn't want to play either. And it's going to be interesting to see how Ryan Poles navigates that here in his first year as a GM. That's the final bit of the uh, the clip. Not a lot that I disagree with. I mean, more specifically, he was speaking expositorily in the sense of he was just describing like what was going on, and I didn't really disagree with that at all. What he was saying. Goodness gracious. Tomorrow, though, there will be a football game. It's like Bears versus somebody else. Who I don't, I don't know who they're playing against. Who is it? Bears versus Seattle. Oh, yeah, he talked about Geno Smith. By the way, I haven't seen a Dodgers game in like a month. Maybe not a month. It feels like a, a month. No, I don't think I've seen a Dodgers game for the last, like, 17 days. It's ridiculous. Oh, you know what? You know what? Hold on. We got news about Baker Mayfield, but we'll finish off the Lewis Riddick thing. Uh, yeah, I'm done with the Lewis Riddick thing. That was, that was embarrassing on all fronts for him. Let's talk about Baker. So... I like to sometimes, you know, I do like, I do like to go on a Twitter and like look and see if there's anything that I need to talk about. Yep. Okay. It's confirmed. Okay. Everybody's confirming it. I do like to, um, to get on Twitter and make sure I'm not missing anything before I, you know, before I tune out, Twitter is like the best way to get information super quickly just because of like trending and, and, um, and just who I'm following and things of that nature. And Baker, at least on the sports side of Twitter is trending because he will probably be named quarterback one QB one for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm not surprised at all. I'm kind of, 
I'm more shocked that people thought that it was going to be a quarterback competition. I mean, it was obvious from the jump that Carolina was not satisfied at all with Sam Darnold. At all. They were not satisfied this year because they drafted Matt Corral. They kind of weren't satisfied last year. I'm glad that we can put the whole Sam Darnold still has juice left in the tank description. I'm, I'm just glad that we can just get away from that because he doesn't. He's terrible. He's not very good. Like now we can just not talk about Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield is now the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Now, what does that mean for Carolina? Well, they start week one against the, uh, the Browns. I think they lose that game. And by the way, I don't think the Carolina Panthers are a playoff contender. I don't think that they are a relevant football team. I don't think they even beat either the Saints or the Bucks once this year. They're just not a very good football team. Let me peek at their schedule really, really quickly. Apparently, Matt Corral... By the way, shout out to myself. I called it. I called it, didn't I? I was like, I'm not a Matt Corral guy. I don't think he's a first-rounder. I saw him play. Saw him play. Ole Miss quarterback. Saw him play. Matt Corral is having a horrible training camp. I didn't see him play uh, as a Carolina Panther. Apparently, he played like shit. I'm like, I don't like Matt Corral. Not a Matt Corral guy. Everybody was like, he's awesome. He's awesome. No, he's not. Oh, God, yeah. The, the Browns, not the Browns. I was The Panthers, they're not going to be winning a lot of football games. They play against their division, NFC South, and then they play up against the NFC North, it looks like, and the, excuse me, the AFC North and the NFC West, the two hardest divisions. I feel like I've talked about this before. Two hardest divisions in football. Their first seven games are against the Browns, loss, Giants, potentially a win, Saints, Cardinals, 49ers, Rams, Bucks. They're all borderline all playoff football teams. They're all probably going to be losses. And the Saints game isn't even at home. Neither is the Bucks game. Neither is, uh, none. oh my God, none of these games are, are away games besides the Rams. So you're going to have a shit ton of your divisional games that are important in the back half of your season. That are not playing, that are not going to be played at home. They're going to be away games. And you play how many home games in the first seven weeks of the season? One, two, three, four, five of seven. So that means you're going to, so that's, that's over half of your home games in seven weeks. That's insane. It's like all of your games from then on are essentially going to be away games. And then it's like all these teams that you're going to be going up against. Even the Giants have an awesome pass rush. Browns, awesome pass rush. Giants, awesome pass rush. Saints, Cam Jordan. Cardinals, uh, kind of have nobody because they fucked themselves because they didn't resign Chandler Jones. 49ers, Nick Bosa. Rams, Aaron Donald. Bucks. Uh, Devin White, who's a linebacker, but he blitzes. And Shaq Barrett. Like on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, you're supposed to be going up against all those teams and you don't have a good offensive line. Okay. They got Akeem Aquanu, but that's one guy out of multiple offensive linemen that you need. And it's, it's a yikes. The Panthers, their, their schedule does get easier in the midway, uh, midway through the season. Their final two games are away games and they are against the Bucks and the Saints. So 
there's that great equalizer. But man, oh man, oh man, Carolina is up a creek without a paddle. But positively, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield won the job. Sam Donald's terrible. Matt Corral, even worse. What's going to be interesting is seeing Baker and DJ Moore. I haven't really seen that connection that much. I think... Let me... Let me try and, like, Google his plays here with Carolina. Hold on. Hold on. I don't remember him really, uh, really putting out a lot of great plays. Hold on. With Carolina, with DJ Moore, I'm not really sure. I remember watching, what, what are they against? Yeah, the Commanders. And I remember watching Carson Wentz and I was like, oh, he's bad. He's bad. I do not remember Baker Mayfield that much. Hold on, let me let me play some of the audio. Sam Darnold, each expected to play one series this afternoon. Yeah. Okay, that's why I didn't remember because they only played one series. Okay. On the field watching Mayfield, he's got a gun, controversial, but right now, new break, new start for for him and I'm sure he's confident I think he'll win it second down and six Mayfield looking to throw for the first time under pressure he steps up takes off cuts to the outside like almost gets sacked on that play runs out of it rolls right just sprints to the outside tries to get positive yardage and he does and is knocked out of bounds a couple of yards shy of the marker, chased down by Jamie. Either they will say, well, we want to get looks. You got to see it. Way too much time. And it's like, on this play, this play, uh, what is it? This play where he, like, runs out, like, breaks, uh, breaks contain, gets to the outside, da 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 This play, I'm like, he's almost sacked by. Sacked on. It's... What is it? Like a three-man rush? It's a three-man... It's a four... Uh, is it... It's it's a it's a three-man rush. No, it's a four-man rush. My bad. It's a four-man rush. The pocket just evaporates. And it's like they have, I think, a wide receiver or somebody, like, trying to block. Like, it's it's just... It's not very good of a play. I'm... Where's a What what number is Akeem Aquanu? Hold on. They drafted Akeem Aquanu. I don't know where he's at. What's his jersey? His jersey is 79. He wasn't out there, it looks like. Yeah, he wasn't out there. I don't like anything that Carolina is doing right now. I'm like, I don't like anything that they're doing. Like, somebody says to me, 24, like, uh, like what's a positive thing that you were looking at right now? I'm like, I don't see anything. Anything positive right now. Regardless, let me uh, let me try and find a clip. Oh, hold on, let me try and find like a clip of them actually broadcasting all of his games or all of his plays. Here we go. I think Highlight Reel has it. Here we go. Sorry. Fans 
heads on to the field for the first time. It's a battle, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Each expected to play one series this afternoon. Yeah, I was on the field watching Mayfield. He's got a gun, controversial, but right now, new break, new start for for him, and I'm sure. So Baker plays I one series win. in this game, and then he deuces out. He puts up the deuces. He's out. We'll we'll see. We'll watch. We'll listen. Second down and six. Mayfield looked to throw for the first this is, time under pressure. This is the play where he avoids the pressure and he winds outside and he gets like three yards on second and six. We've seen this play. Apparently nothing happened. Apparently they ran the ball on first down. Most people are just going to put in his passing plays and things of that nature. Oh, this guy just stole all the clips from the other guy. You little sneak, you just stole this from the other guy. Or he stole it from you, I don't know. Get off. Second down at the tight end position. Yeah, they have been. It, it, it's tough, especially in camp. Good set. He throws like a, you know, like a pass. What is it? He throws a uh, a comeback. Comeback to like the fullback or something like that. Breaking to the ball. Look at the white shirts. You got guys jogging. I need people sprint. Biggins getting after it. I mean, you're going to get sand. It's like a play action. The broadcasters, like these are all replays. It looks like somebody took this clip. Or this guy that uh that I'm I just want to see all of his throws. Hold on. Can I look at all of his throws here? From the preseason game. That's it. I just want to see all of his throws. Each expected to play one series this afternoon. Yeah, I was on the field watching Mayfield. He's I'm sorry for how often like we had just have to repeat every I just want to see his throws. On controversial but right now new break new start for for him and I'm sure he's confident I think he'll win it looks like it's like finally this guy will give me all of the plays on this drive we'll we'll see what happens here they start from the 23 yard line Chuba Hubbard in the backfield Mayfield hands it off this is Hubbard who had a nice rookie season out to the 27 for a gain of four as we take a look at he come up and give him four yards. Second down and six. Mayfield looked to throw for the first time under pressure. He steps up, takes off, cuts to the outside. And is knocked out of bounds. A couple of yards shy of the marker. Chased down by James Panthers. Under third-year head coach Matt Rule. Finished with a record of 5-12 and 12 last season. This is like the only play that we haven't seen. Hold on. Carolina needs the 33-yard line for a first down. Mayfield on third down. It's complete. First down and more. It's like an under-crossing concept. He reads it perfectly. He throws to 12. I don't know who that is. That's not DJ Moore. He throws it to 12, who is wide open. The defense was in zone coverage. It was a nice throw, but it was like it's not anything to like write home about. It was it was a concept throw. It wasn't like Baker making. It, it was it was it was a completion. But you know it was it was a completion on third down. So you know. take from that what you will. This is like the stop route that I saw. With like a fullback or a linebacker, 45 on second and nine. Or I guess it was a tight end. He looked like a fullback. He's wearing a fullback's number. He's wearing 45. Just stops. We're on a comeback route. Washington is playing like a crap ton of zone. 
Not really that big of a fan of it, but okay. Third and three, I think DJ Moore's on the field. Third down and three, Panthers have already converted on. Man to man, on the outside, DJ Moore, Baker should be looking for him. They should try some type of in-breaking route here. A deep in-breaking route, but it looks potentially like Washington will bring pressure. I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's third and three, but I, I like my matchup with DJ Moore all day. Or just a quick slant, just something. Maybe they get out of it. I'm not sure. During this drive, oh, no, they bring pressure. Oh, no, they run it. Never mind. And it's Hubbard who plows ahead up the middle for another Carolina first down to the Washington 39-yard line. Deontay Foreman in the backfield. Play action as Mayfield fires downfield and it's broken up. Throws in a double coverage to, I think, Robbie Anderson. Almost gets picked off. Second and 10. Mayfield rolling to his left. Directing traffic. He finds Ricci along the sideline. It's like for a three-yard gain. It's not like third down. I think this is when the drive ends. Or do they score a touchdown? I don't remember. Foreman to the backfield. Third down and five. Mayfield hit as he throws. And the catch is made for another... Carolina first down at Shai Smith once again. It's like another... What is it? What is this? What type of ride is this? It's like Shai Smith is working on the inside. He like runs a... Uh, is it like an in-breaking route? He was in the slot, so he runs like a nice little in-breaking route in the DB. He's playing off. Like some type of an off coverage? Or was he just in man... Man, like press? No, no, no. It was zone. They're guarding the sticks, and he just ran by the sticks, and they just... I hate Washington's defense so much. <laughs> I'm like, I, I hate their schemes. Oh, my God. He just runs by him. He acts like he's going outside. He turns back to the inside. The DB has no idea what he's doing. Like Shai Smith in college. Shout out to him. Again, move the chains just inside the Washington 20. Nice little dart into the turf. I'll say this. Baker, um, Baker looks, how do I describe it? He looks like, like a worse version of Mac Jones here. Just some of the plays that I'm seeing, it looks like a worse version of Mac Jones. In the sense of, he's making good decisions until the, like the 30, 40 yard bomb into double coverage. I'm like, that's not a good decision. But he's continuing the drive. He's extending the drive. He's making plays here and there. I said that Mac Jones, I feel like Mac Jones right now is an average quarterback. I think Baker is still like a below average quarterback. I think I have Baker like right now, like 20th or something like that. Who said that he wasn't even like top 64? It's like some moron was like, he's not a top 64 guy in the NFL. I'm like, okay. I'm pleased because my offense is on the field. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. I mean, this guy's a one. And he's showing you the difference in that. Right now, you got to like what you see. That's if you're a Panther fan. There's supposed to be a Washington broadcast. Mayfield spent his first four seasons in Cleveland. Led the Browns to a, a playoff win two years ago for the first time in over a quarter of a century. <laughs> they got great fans, though. They don't quit on their team. The ball's on the ground, brother. 
Bobbles, bobbles the snap on like first down. I don't know what happened there. I'm also looking for their first round draft pick, their left tackle or guard or whomever, Akeem Aquanu. He, he's definitely not on the field with the ones, which to me is insane. It's insane that he's, and then he just has a miscommunication. Oh, yeah, they don't score on this drive. He has like a miscommunication. I mean, they score a field goal, but not a touchdown. They have like a miscommunication with uh, the wide receiver on the final play of the drive, and they don't convert, which is fine. Like you saw everything that you needed to see out of Baker Mayfield. For the most part in the sense of he just did the offense. He just like executed the offense and that was it. It's kind of like a meh. It's kind of like a meh. I was like, oh, okay. That was all right. I don't really have like a strong opinion. Regardless of Baker Mayfield. I'm just going to be shocked if Geno Smith plays well tomorrow. And then he, like, becomes the starter for the Seattle Seahawks. After, like, 10 years, almost, of Russell Wilson, they, like, go from him to Geno Smith. I'm like, wow. What a fucking downgrade. Holy shit. But we'll see that tomorrow. Um, I, I won't be casting that game. Just because it's a preseason game, nobody cares. They're not going to play their starters. I'm interested to see if they are going to play Justin Fields. I was about to say nobody, not about to. I said that nobody plays their starters, and then I was like, I'm going to be interested in seeing if they do play Justin. But I guess technically they could play Geno Smith, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Regardless, I'm peacing out for tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll kind of wrap up the Bears. And then Friday, music matters. I don't know what we're going to do Friday, but... Um, Getting that much closer to the regular season, that much closer to football. I've been 24. I'll see you tomorrow for kind of a recap of the Bears versus Seattle. 21st podcast.